next half hour, I'm going to just share on part six of our destiny series, um, focusing on the life of Joseph. I encourage you, if you are interested in understanding God's dealings in your life, that you study um, what we've been sharing and learn your own lessons from these scriptures and from these um, teachings that we've been doing. So today we're going to look at, we're going to begin to look at um, lessons from Potiphar's house as part of that. So let's just have some background. Psalm 105 verses 17 to 19, the scripture says, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. And then we notice in uh, Genesis chapter 37 from verses 5 to 10 what that word was. That word was a dream that Joseph at the age of 17 had. And that dream was that he was going to be the head of his family and that his family was going to bow to him. That was the seed of that word. But actually, that word really was that Joseph, by being the head of his family, was going to preserve his family's line. He's going to preserve his family. And so his destiny, the reason why he was on the earth, was to ensure that the lineage of Christ through Israel was preserved and that his family was preserved. And the only way he could do that was by becoming the head of his family. And one of the things you need to understand about your destiny is that your destiny is not about you. It's not about you coming to some great place of arrival. It is for the purpose of God's kingdom being expressed through you in some shape or form. Your destiny has to do with the redemptive purposes of God. But we've also been talking about the various stages in the life of Joseph that we can learn from about how God deals with us when it comes to our destiny. And again, our key text we looked at is Romans 8, 28 to 30. Let's look at verse 28. For It says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. All things are working together for our good. If we are called, if we love God and we are the called according to his purpose. And any child of God falls into this category. Anyone who's born again falls into this category. Say to your neighbor, you love God. Tell your neighbor, you love God. And tell your neighbor you are called according to his purpose. All right, so we said that destiny speaks of our destination. It speaks of the fact that God has, in his preordained mind, ordained or established a specific realization at a given point in time for our lives. So as a man or woman of destiny, uh, you will stay in line with God's purposes when your life choices are in agreement with his will for your life. And let me just touch on this. Somebody may say, how will I know what the will of God is? First of all, the will of God is expressed clearly in scripture. 
So anything that agrees with the word of God, that is consistent with the word of God, is his will. And then secondly, the will of God is specifically expressed through what he reveals to us, through what he reveals to us, which does not contradict what is already in scripture. All right. Now, and the other thing we want to say as we look at Potiphar's house is that because of Joseph's destiny, the stages of development in his life were vital so that he will succeed when he comes to that time for him to do what he was supposed to. And we said that it began in his father's house. That was the first place. His foundation as a young man was formed the first 17 years of his life in his father's house. Then we talked about from his father's house, he entered the pit of despair. The pit of despair where he was thrown into the pit by his brothers. And we talked about the pit of despair representing a place of helplessness where only God can bail you out. Where only God can bring a solution. And every man, every woman of God who seeks to fulfill the destiny of God must learn to go through the pit of despair. And then that next place is Potiphar's house, where Joseph comes into Potiphar's house as a favored slave, but then leaves that house as a prisoner of state. It's like from bad to worse. He enters Potiphar's house as a favored slave and leaves his house as a prisoner of the state. Okay, so let's look at this from Genesis 39. That's a long read, and uh, we're not going to be able to touch all of it today, but we'll look at maybe the first seven or eight points um, from this lesson. Genesis 39, verses 1 to 23. I will read a few, and then we'll pause. I'll read from verse 1 to 10. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome, just like me, in form and appearance. And it came to pass <laughs> after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. Mm. And she said, blatantly, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look. My master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I. 
nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Okay, let's stop there for a moment. And let's look at a few things from verses 1 to 9. And if we have time, we'll continue. So, first of all, you have to understand this season of Joseph's life, Potiphar's house, and what it represents. And it is a season that all of us go through. This season in Potiphar's house represents a season of service, a season of service and dependence on another in order to develop in our character. It represents a season of service and it represents a season of depending on another in order for us to develop in our character further after the foundation has been laid in our father's house. Now, it's very, very important that you understand this simple concept, how you serve somebody else and how you rely on others. Because over the years, you discover some of us will develop a chip on our shoulder and will say something like, me, I don't need anyone. Me, I don't need anyone, only God. You cannot go far in life with that attitude because in life you will need people. You're going to need someone. Nobody makes it on their own. And that's one of the reasons why um, one of the series I want to teach, hopefully this year, is to teach on the favor of God. How to appropriate God's favor and how to have favor with people. Because you need people. For even this church to develop and become all that it has to be. We need every single person to play their role. If we don't play our role, this church is not going to do what it's supposed to do. We need each other. Say to your neighbor, I need you and you need me. All right. Now, this season of service and dependence helps us to develop, like I said, in our character. And uh, we must learn to be completely surrendered to the will of God and seek to honor him during this period if we are to pass the test. Now, every stage of our life, there are tests that we go through. I don't know if you ever have these dreams where you have a dream and like you're in primary school or you're taking a test and you keep taking a test over and over. Anyone have these dreams before? Anyone? Nobody, you've never had dreams where you're in a classroom taking a test or you seem to be going, taking a test like in, in, in early stage of primary or class one. Anyone had a dream like that before? Nobody ever had a dream of having a test at all. Has anybody ever had a dream of having a test? Has anybody ever had a dream at all? <laughs> oh boy. Well anyway, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure we all have. But sometimes these, especially if they're reoccurring dreams, they are indicating to us that there is something in our life that we should have overcome but we haven't. And especially if it's to do with like early years, it means there's something in our foundation that we've missed and we need to get back to it. So this period is such an important period. You're thinking about the dream thing. You should come to that prophetic seminar. It would have helped you a little bit. All right, let's move on quickly. So this season is also epitomized by a certain statement Joseph made in verse nine. He said this to Potiphar's wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? It, this season, the key for you to succeed here 
is to live your life before God. You seek to honor God when nobody is watching. So you, for instance, you honor God with how you attend church services when nobody is watching. Hallelujah. You honor God with how you serve in your workplace when nobody is watching, when the boss is not watching. You see, some of us, we work really hard when people are watching. But when people are not watching, we then go to that level of least resistance. Spotify's house, that season helps us to develop so that we are only doing things before God. Because during this season, you are going to be tested in a way that will define the rest of your life. Yeah. You're going to be tested. And the, the test will make a demand on your character. Potiphar's house also, therefore, represents a season of testing. A season of testing. And, um, you know, like everything, there are cycles. There are cycles. So, for instance, you find our Lord, when he began his ministry, before he began, he was tested rigorously by the enemy. But then the scripture says, Satan left him for an opportune time. In other words, although he was tested at the beginning intensely, throughout his ministry, there were seasons that he was tested intensely. So, for instance, I'll give you an example. When they came to me and said, eh, Rabbi, we know you're a, you're a teacher from God, you know, and that you only speak the truth. So tell us, who should we pay taxes to? That was an intense test because they were trying to discredit him politically. And he said, why are you testing me? But because he had passed a certain test, he could pass that test. You will pass every test in Jesus' name. So you are, in this season of testing, you are serving another man's vision and are tested as to your loyalty to God and to that individual. And by the way, it works, that principle works in your workplace and in church and in certain contexts where you have to serve somebody. You are being tested to see whether you would violate your integrity before God and take the opportunity being presented. Not every appealing opportunity is a godly opportunity. Oh, hallelujah. Now, you see this principle in Galatians chapter 3, verses 22 to 25. And he says, bond servants... And in the modern version, it will be employees. <laughs> Bond servants, obey in all things your masters or your employers according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Look at it. Obey in all things. All things as it relates to the remit you have been given. In other words, he's not saying violate your conscience. He's saying within the context that you have been given 
as a bond servant or as an employee, modern day version, obeying all things. So sometimes your boss may ask you to do something that is not sinful, but it's not necessarily what you want to do because it's a fine line. But because of your integrity before God, you do it in spite of him, not because of him. You've gone very quiet. Say amen if you agree or hmm if you disagree. Okay. All right. Look at verse 24. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. So this principle of being tested and of serving and of doing things as unto the Lord in this season or in this dispensation has with it rewards. We're not talking about the age to come. Of course, everything we do in this life has uh, ramifications for the age to come, for sure. But you know, how you serve, for instance, God's house, how you serve your boss, how you serve even in the home context, has ramifications with the seasons, the next season you enter into. You know, we have had the privilege of being in a local church where, you know, we, where we, we've, we've served as ushers, we've served on the sound team, we've served in the worship team or the choirs. I was a choirster. I was very good. I sang bass and tenor. I was good. They shoved me there because they couldn't find somewhere. It's just, no. no. I've done um, all kinds of things in church. All kinds. And I enjoyed all of it. That's the interesting thing. The one that I was really scared of was children's work. Children's work. But I found even that one, I enjoyed it. Because, you know, with children, you can't really widget. You know, if you're boring, they will just, like, you're boring. And then we had to go, you know, in our day with our children's church, we had to go door knocking. And, and knock on the doors of the parents and, and, and just talk to them about their children and all that, it's amazing. I think we need to resurrect these principles. And we do it during the week, knock on their doors. Hallelujah. But what I realized was that all of that, all the things that I did actually helped me as a person. Helped me to grow in the Lord and helped me to develop in what God has called me to do. And I want to encourage you, whatever situation you have found yourself in, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's in church or whether it's at home, do things as unto the Lord. Because perhaps you're in this season of Potiphar's house and we fulfill this season with flying colors when our faithfulness to God and others is established. What does that mean? It means when, as far as God is concerned, you can now be depended upon. You can now be trusted. Then he says, next. And when, as far as how we have served others is concerned, there is a signature or a characteristic that we are dependable, then, as far as God is concerned, we have passed the test. I pray you pass the test in Jesus' name. But we will never truly be able to succeed in the next season if we fail to pass the test in this season. Because the next season is harder than this season. And we'll look at that when we finish this one.
And that is the season of being forgotten, of obscurity. Yeah. Luke 16, 12 says, if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Until you learn to serve another. Whether, like, for those of you who want to do your own business, if you are working for somebody, I pray you give your best. Because until you learn, and not steal all their ideas, until you learn, until you learn to give your best to somebody, God will not give you your own. Now, the devil will offer you something, but God will not give you your own. So let's look at some of these characteristics. Because it is during this season that your values are crystallized. Your values are crystallized. In other words, the values that governs how you function in your destiny are crystallized here. This is why you will find a person can be fulfilling their destiny, but their values are, sus are suspect. We see that many times where people have reached that season where they are to fulfill their destiny, but their values, how they do family, how they do friendships, how they do um, personal integrity, how they do honor, is suspect. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. So let's look at some of the um, lessons through Joseph's life. Number one, verse one, he was taken to Egypt. He was taken to Egypt. Now, your destiny will lead you on undesirable pathways. Joseph's journey to Egypt was not something that was glamorous. He would have rather gone back to his father's house. And in, in biblical typology, Egypt represents the world. Egypt is not a good representation. But sometimes your destiny will send you to places that and situations that you would rather not go into. Before I entered the ministry, after I finished um, poly, I had a job. My first main job, really, I only did one job after I finished. But, um, I did different responsibilities in that job. But that job, after I'd been applying and I'd passed my, you know, my little qualification and stuff, the Spirit showed me that job in a vision. And he showed me the pay. And it was rubbish pay. The pay was not very good. And I remember at that time, Michael, I was living with Michael and Enoch and those guys renting a room in their house. I remember they were laughing at me saying, man, after you've gone to college, this is your job. <laughs> they were laughing. And I myself was a bit miffed. But I knew that was where God wanted me. Do you know, because of that job, I was able to do my first missions, I was able to do all kinds of things and prepare for the ministry, have pay increase after pay increase after pay increase until I left. But that's where God sent me. Yeah. And it was not a very nice job. I didn't actually enjoy it the first year. I was really rubbish. But they still paid me. All right. <laughs> but it was necessary. What am I trying to say? Your destiny will send you or lead you on undesirable pathways, just like Joseph. Secondly, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. Your destiny means that wherever you go, God will be with you. 
It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter how favored or favorable or appealing or attractive. If you are yielded to the leadership of Jesus over your life, whatever circumstance you find yourself, the Lord will be with you. I'm telling you today that the Lord is with you if you are with him. If your heart is saying, Lord, I want to honor you, even though your circumstance is undesirable, the Lord is with you. You see, the favor of the Lord must never be determined by circumstance or environment. Sadly, most people will only judge God is with them if their environment is favorable. But look at this. He's just gone down to Egypt as a slave. And the next statement is, the Lord was with Joseph. Say to your neighbor, the Lord is with you. Just declare it even if they don't believe it. Yeah. Now, the other thing is, I want you to notice in verse 2, it says the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. In other words, your success in life will either be determined by your achievements or by your relationship with God. You decide. How do you measure success? As Even as a church, how do we measure success? Because clearly, our numbers have gone down considerably. But how do we measure success? How do we measure God's hand upon our life? How do you measure whether your marriage is successful? Whether your ministry is successful? Whether you are successful as an employee? How do you measure that? Now, you can measure based on the world's measurement, which is the most attractive and appealing to our natural senses, isn't it? Isn't it? Or you can discern the heart of the Lord. I don't think Joseph felt very successful at this point. Do you? Because he's still a slave, you know. He's a slave. Now remember, in one place, when talking about Joseph, he says that he, was, he went into a strange land whose language he could not understand. A 17-year-old boy goes into a situation and he's, he's, he's hearing a language he can't understand. Your destiny at times will place you in context where you are absolutely clueless. You were the village champion, but now you've entered the city. <laughs> and you look like you ain't, you ain't got a clue. The whole world may have been raving about you in your village. <laughs> you see, you guys, you don't know village life. I've lived in a village, and the village champion, you know, when they walk, you know, they were like, you know, you know, village champion, you know. And then when they come into the city, you realize, oh my Lord, this guy is actually really backward. Because they're wearing pajamas on the streets, and they think it's cool. Pajamas, because he came from UK, pajamas. <laughs> You guys don't know. I mean, I've lived both. I've lived in, you know, they're wearing some heavy coat because it came from the UK. Heavy coat. Village champion. They come to the city. People look at Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Third point. Help me with the time. Today I will be disciplined. 
There will not be an extra 10 minutes left. Third point. <laughs> Fine. His master saw that the Lord was with him. Verse 3. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. His master saw it. I pray that those you are working for will see the signature of God upon your life. Now, you have to understand, when you see capital L-O-R-D, that is Yahweh. What he's saying is, the Egyptian who served other gods saw that Joseph's God was with him. As a slave. You see, you do not have to say, that say of the Lord to your boss for him to know if that say of the Lord. I heard a story, I don't know whether it's true or not, sometimes these stories you don't know. But there was this stockbroker, Christian, again, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard the story, so I repeat. Apparently, he was so good, because he was a man of prayer, he was so good that whenever he would put a, a bet on, oh, not a bet, um, whenever he would trade, trade, that's the word, the word instead of betting that they use. Whenever he would trade, you know, they just call these things nice. I'm not against stockbroken. We need some here in this church. I'm just saying, whenever they would trade, others would trade because he's trading, because he learned to hear from God. You see, you can, the anointing, and that's why you must get that book, the Supernatural Anointing. The, the anointing is not limited to church. Must never be. The principles governing how you increase the anointing, whether it's as a stockbroker or a salesperson or a footballer or a teacher or a homemaker, whatever, is the same principles. Prayer, fasting, studying, all those things, as well as the other things, will invoke the supernatural hand upon what you're doing. Joseph was a slave, but his master saw that the Lord was with him and that everything that he did prospered under his hand. What a testimony. What a testimony. Others will see the signature of the Lord on your life if you remain consistent in how you serve him. You need to learn to develop in consistency. It's so important. I remember when I was working, one day a non-believer said to me, ah, but your, your Christianity is different from this person's. And by that, they saw a difference in how we lived and how we manifested the power. You manifest the power in Jesus' name by how you live. Your consistency is so important if you want to remain in destiny, the path that God has called you to, especially when nobody is seemingly watching. Because of the Lord's presence, Joseph could prosper regardless of his circumstance. And this is what you need to understand. It's the presence of the Lord. It says the Lord was with him and he caused all that he did to prosper. You need to put a premium on walking under an open heaven. 
which means everywhere you go, heaven is open over you and you take the glory with you. You carry the glory with you. Yeah. The Lord was with him. I'm, I am believing that the Lord is with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fourth principle, help me with the time. Verse four, Joseph found favor in his master's sight and served him. Now, this is an important principle because look at verse 4. He said, he found favor in his sight and served him. Then he, the master, made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. He found favor and then he served him. You see, sometimes, I've seen it happen, where a person is doing well in their context, they find favor with the one they're working for and then they begin to take advantage of that favor instead of submitting and serving. And so you can be very gifted, but after a while, nobody really wants to work with you because you've got a bad attitude. Say to your neighbor, minus me, in Jesus' name. Yeah. But the point is, no matter how gifted you are, you need to find favor with those you're working with. Look, look, let me be blunt with you. Sometimes, it's not because, look, listen, people, even racist people, will prefer to employ somebody who's going to make them more money than somebody of their own color. Are, are you listening to me? After a while, uh, money talks. Yeah, I don't like your people. I don't like your color. I think all of you are lazy except you. So come and work for me. I'll pay you well. Now, you see, let me tell you, you have to be smart. Black people are racist, white people are racist, Chinese people are racist, Indian people. Every race is racist. Everybody has a problem. I'm telling you, look. I have experienced more prejudice from the same color than any other color. I'm telling you. And you can't guess my color by my talking on the microphone. <laughs> but I have. <laughs> so what am I saying? You must learn to invoke favor with those you're working for. And how, what is favor? I, 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 I break it down like this. That people like you for no reason. You know, I pray for favor in so many contexts. I, like I say, oh Lord, let me have favor with my wife. My wife, my wife, let me have favor. Look, just because you're married to somebody doesn't mean that you're always going to be in favor. That honeymoon favor doesn't last long. I'm telling you. Yeah. So she doesn't know it. Many times I'll say, oh, Lord, give me favor with eyes. Give me so she just suddenly starts me, oh, honey, okay, can I make a cup of tea? It's working, it's working, Jesus. Name. That's not you can't take it for granted because you, they're your father or they're your mother. No. I invoke favor from my parents. I invoke favor from my friends. Even your friends. You need favor with your friends. Because sometimes your friends have had enough of you. It's always your this, your that, your that. They, they've had enough. So when you call. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. So. Look at this. 
He found favor. The Lord was with him. Let me tell you, the Lord can be with you and still you don't have favor. I'm telling you. The Lord can anoint you and still you don't have favor. If you don't believe me, ask Jeremiah. Ask Isaiah. They saw him in two. He lost favor. After all, they had enough of these messianic prophecies. And they saw him in two. Killed him. The great Isaiah. That's how he died. Yeah. Now those people were wicked for sure. But you know who? John the Baptist. Herod liked him. Herod didn't want him, but he lost favor with Herod's wife. Hey, that's why you have to, I was saying to one man of God, my friend, listen, we have to not just win the man of God, we have to win his wife. <laughs> I told him. Because let me tell you, if the husband is the head, the wife is the neck and decides how it turns. Now, I know that it was all in God's plan for John to die and Isaiah to die the way they did. But the point I want you to understand is, just because you are anointed, just because you carry the word of God, just because you have ability, just because you are doing your best, does not mean those you are serving are going to like you. The other day I said to one of the pastors, I said to them, we need... Pray for favor with the people because we are losing favor with the people. Yeah. No, it's not because the people are bad. It's just life. There are cycles. Cycles. But thank God, me, I have favor with my church. You know? I have favor with Greenwich. I have favor with CLF. I have favor in Jesus' name. All right. So we're going we're gonna to bring this to a close because of time. But I want to say this. One may have favor, but until they learn how to serve, they will not enjoy the trust of those who favor them. See, there are people who may like you. They like you, but your service is bad. Okay, you know what? We, we, I want you to get here for 9 o'clock, 9.15, 9.20, 9.35, Nine fifty. Oh, <laughs> you'll never believe it. But then after a while, we can predict who's going to be on time and who's going to be late. So what we say is, you know what? You know, Joseph is really good, but uh, don't ask him because we know he's not going to come on time. We like Joe. He's a great teacher. But when you ask him to teach for 20 minutes, it's always going to be at least 40. And we can't, do, we can't have that. So, you know, he's great. We like him. He's a great man. He's godly. But not for this program because, you know, uh, it's 20 minutes we have and we don't want to get in trouble. Are, are you listening to what I'm saying? So even though you have favor, favor with people, you have to learn how to serve. Joseph had favor because he had favor and he also served well, so therefore he could be trusted. Trust has always to be earned. You have to earn trust. No matter what relationship you have, you have to earn the trust of those you are working with. If people cannot trust you, let me tell you, husband and wife, you have to learn to earn trust. No matter how long you've been married for, you can do one act that will completely destroy 
the trust in your relationship. And you can't say, oh, come on, but you know, I mean, how long have we been married? We've been married for 20 years. I've never done this thing. You know, it's just yesterday I forgot myself and I slept with her, so what's the problem? You should also hold, remember, for 20 years I haven't done anything. Come on, for 20 years I haven't done anything. So what's the problem? I will not do it again. You should trust me, I'll not do it again. Do, do you think that would work? Do you think such a statement would work? Of course not, because you may have been great for 20 years, but today you broke trust. Your destiny demands that you serve well and you can be trusted. Amen.